Super Talk Mississippi media production. Spring is in the air, and that means it's time to refresh your wardrobe with the season's hottest trends at the Black Sheep Boutique. Don't blend in this spring. Stand out with the Black Sheep Boutique with two locations to serve you in Tupelo or Saltillo or online at theblackshepboutiquetupelo.com. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. And, of course, you can always find us, too, on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch good things. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. You'll see I'm not alone in the studio today. I got with me author Jack Elliott. He is the author of the book, To the Ramparts of Infinity, which sounds like a lot of fun, Colonel W.C. Faulkner and the Ripley Railroad. So before there was William Faulkner, there was great granddad, Colonel W.C. Faulkner, and he was up to some good in Ripley, or maybe not. How the story goes, I'm not really sure, Jack. (laughs) But you know, and you wrote this beautiful book about his life, a biography, and so welcome. Thank you, ma'am. Glad to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you here. This story has already intrigued me. I think we all know William Faulkner, or we at least know the name. And I think it's cool to maybe learn a little bit about his family tree. This would have been his great-granddad. And his sort of, I guess, uh, the, the mark he left on Mississippi, particularly Ripley. So how did you get interested in Colonel W.C. Faulkner? Well, it goes back a few years, after, actually about 50 years, when I, I started getting interested in local history in about 73, and I began to look around. You start seeing places around you that I've were just everyday places, but I'd hear stories about them, and it'd bring them to life. When I'd find out that somebody was shot here or there was a store here you know, 100 years ago, I'd start looking at it differently, and I began to realize my family's history was tied up in with the history of my area, which is in western Clay County at a place called Palo Alto. So I got interested in how history, how story brings places to life. About that time, I was introduced to William Faulkner's uh, fictional works, which center on the County of Yachton, Patolfa County, Mississippi, which is which would have been fairly similar to where I lived, not too far away. And we're going to see how the stories brought Yachton, Patolfa to life. And I was fascinated by this linkage of history and place and story and the sense of mystery of something beyond. We can keep reaching out to learn more. This ultimately alludes to the ramparts of infinity, something going on and on, an infinite quest. But anyway, I wound up going to uh, the first Faulkner and Yachton Batalfa conferences held at Ole Miss in August of 1974. 
uh, of course, one of the big things I was interested in was the tours. And one of the tours took us up to New Albany, where William Faulkner was born, and on to Ripley, where his great-granddaddy lived. And I can still, after all this time, I can remember the place they showed where they thought Colonel Faulkner was shot in 1889. Actually, it's the wrong place. But I also remember the the great monument that was built up adjacent to his tomb, a last large pedestal of granite surmounted by a marble statue. The whole thing's 19 feet tall. And it was a statue of Colonel Faulkner. But a William Faulkner's book, his first novel published on, on Yachtapatalfa County, Sartorus, it described the same monument, but it attributed it to a fictional character, Colonel John Sartorus, who was sort of the foundational person in Fault William Faulkner's stories. And it described the monument, and with uh, it said... Uh, the statue stood on a stone pedestal in his frock coat and bareheaded, one leg slightly advanced and one leg, one hand resting lightly on the stone pylon beside him. His head was lifted a little in that gesture of haughty pride, his back to the world and his carven eyes gazing out across the valley where his railroad ran and the blue changeless hills beyond and beyond that the ramparts of infinity itself. The image of the statue of Colonel Faulkner, there was also the image of Colonel John Sartorus, just captured by imagination. And it really talk about sense of place. This was this, this enigmatic statue. Caught me. And years later, after I had retired, I started going into uh, researching Colonel Faulkner. I first... Uh, 2010, I attended a conference in Ripley. Oh, that's 40 years later. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Nothing happens fast. No, but so your fascination has been a lifelong sort of interest within it. So William Faulkner, the writer that we all know, would have known when he was writing his works that that was his great-granddad who was the statue. I mean, so he was using personal, I guess, history or, you know, uh, inspiration for his fictional he was bringing real life into his fictional work. Exactly, exactly. So many of his characters were just transformations of real life. Places were transformations of it. Like the statue itself is really exists in the cemetery in Ripley, but Colonel Faulkner, I mean, I mean William Faulkner, described it as being at a cemetery in Jefferson, the county seat of Yachtabatalfa County. Is the WNWC? William is he is he named after his it's great both, of, both of William. Oh. You wonder how much William Faulkner knew about his great granddad's history. He, it influenced him quite a bit when he was a small child. He said that he wanted to grow up to be a a writer like his great granddad. And his great granddaddy, besides building railroads, being in the military, and also wrote novels and a travel log, travel to Europe. And so William Faulkner said as a small child he wanted to be a writer like his great-granddaddy. But when he lived in Ripley for several years as a small boy, and one place he hung out a lot was his great-aunt's. Uh, her name was Willie Faulkner Carter. They kept it close, Willie, William. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't burn too far, but that's fine. 
But the library in her house was a room that Colonel Faulkner died in November 6th, 1889, after he'd been shot the previous day on the square in Ripley. So, and his great aunt had put up a a stained glass window in his memorial that was in the window of the library, which would have given it almost a church-like atmosphere with the light going through the stained glass. And you come in there, and I'm sure they told a little boy many a time, this is where your great-granddaddy died, you know. And and it surely must have made an impression on him, and the linkage with it being with the books in the library, the association of great-grandfather dying, so they the never got books. the chance to meet, although, I mean, with a great-granddad, he would have had to have been, you know, younger, old, older to do that. So they never got the opportunity to meet. No, they didn't. Colonel Faulkner died in 1889, and William Faulkner was born in 1897, uh, eight years later. So it could have happened. Could have if, if Colonel Faulkner hadn't gotten shot. But I guess William would have been still just a baby. He would have taken. He would have. He would have been getting. I mean, yeah. not many of us are blessed enough to have great grandparents that we remember having a relationship right, with. Right, right. That's how life goes. Okay, so I took you away from 2010. You had gone to another conference. You still had your fascination or your interest in this particular story with the statue. Where does that bring us back? And in, in you getting your your inspiration to write the book? Well, I just it just kind of. Was looking around for something to do. I had this interest that had been lying there latent for decades, and suddenly I had the time to do it, and I became just obsessed with researching it as thoroughly as I could. My wife always says that I'm obsessive-compulsive, which is probably some truth to that. I she says, you can't just look at something and let it go. You've got to get on to it completely, which I wound up doing with Colonel Faulkner. I spent an enormous amount of time transcribing deeds from the courthouse in Ripley and uh, going through every newspaper from Ripley and all surrounding towns and then major regional cities. Did you know it was going to be a book, or were you doing that just to scratch an an itch for yourself, Jack? Well, initially, I believe it was scratching the interest. Uh, I didn't have that plans. I'd never even considered writing a biography. I was first just trying to figure out places that were associated with him. I determined right away he wasn't killed where they had said he was killed. Wasn't shot there, I mean. Uh, they, they used to reported for decades that he was shot in front of what was Renfro Cafe on the square. In fact, he was shot half block to the south that's the kind of information you can get if you pick up the book to the ramparts of infinity colonel wc faulkner and the ripley railroad we've got more with author jack elliott coming up next Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi.
Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget, you can listen to us. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm, but you can also watch us. We are on your computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. You'll see I'm holding up a book because we've got author Jack Elliott in the studio today. He's the author of To the Ramparts of Infinity, Colonel W.C. Faulkner and the, and the Ripley Railroad. I love on the back, though, Jack, that you wrote an in-depth exploration of the life and works of the man who would one day serve as a model and influence his great-grandson, who we all know, William Faulkner. And I think it feels like they're two totally different. I know they're two totally different people. I mean, I am not, I'm not yeah. that. But but one was uh, railroad and military and, you know, all the things. And then William Faulkner, you just felt like it was more arts, mm-hmm. you know, sort of into the arts of all of all kinds. Um, did you find but you say they have some overlaps in their in their characteristics and personalities with the writing? Yeah, they both wrote. Um, Colonel Faulkner's writing is certainly not as memorable as his great grandson. Are there any published works by him or just kept from family passed down? There are. You can get some on Amazon, uh, reprint editions of his novel, uh, The the White Rose of Memphis, which came out in, I believe, 1881, and then his uh Travelogue, Traveling in Europe, which is I think is the most interesting one because it's basically autobiographical about that time period. It tells about his adventures in Europe. And that one can be obtained. If you do a little digging into uh, used books, you can find his other one, another novel called The, the Little Brick Church that came out, I believe, in 1883. Anyway, they're still out there. It's kind there. of impressive for, I mean, still, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you think with someone who was building railroads and was in the military. I mean, yes, I, I know of servicemen and women who like to write poetry or sort of write as sort of an escape. But it's another thing to write novels. I mean, that's kind of a that's the next level in, in literature, I would assume. Um, OK, so you in you sort of had this itch. You wanted to get to know uh, Colonel Faulkner on a on, I guess, a more. I guess, uh, deeper level with all of your research. Mm-hmm. When did it hit you, Jack? Like, I got enough here to write a biography on the man because that wasn't your purpose when you set out. So how did you sort of transition into this is something I would like. This is a project I feel like needs to be done. Well, I finally got kind of overwhelmed by the amount of data that I accumulated. I thought, well, who else is going to accumulate this much information? And I thought it might as well. Has there ever a been a biography on him? Yeah, there was one that came out um, as a dissertation, I believe, in 1961. It's a Ph.D. dissertation by the late Donald Duclos. And it was not actually published until about 30 years later after his death. It had not been revised or anything. Given the fact it was a dissertation, he could not have put as much time into researching it as I was able to do. I mean, he probably had maybe a year or less than a year to research it, and I had quite a few years to overkill researching. Did you ever get tired of learning about Colonel Faulkner? No, it's uh, for the obsessive-compulsive person. Every new thing becomes to be like something you just got to find a new little bit, and if you can find something new, it'll be just like just open up a whole new world. To me, 
So you must have learned enough about him that you felt like the world needed to know this man on a deeper level also. He obviously mm-hmm. made contributions to, you know, to the way Mississippi has shaped now and, you know, obviously in terms of military. So so who is he to you? Who is Colonel Faulkner to you? How, when you think about him and want to introduce him to a friend, I mean, what, what would you start with? I would say he was uh, – he was a shaker and a maneuver whose vision extend, exceeded his reach. Kind of links into the to the ramparts of infinity. Mm-hmm. He, he wanted they wanted to build a railroad to get to Ripley, and many had tried to do it before him, and they would fail because Ripley is just a small town. It, it was less than a thousand population. It didn't have much of a capital base for building a twenty five mile railroad to get a railroad there. But he was able to do it. But before it even reached Ripley, he turned. He planned on turning it into a transcontinental railroad, <laughs> going from a 25-mile spur line to he saw it as going from the Great Lakes to the Gulf of Mexico. And I think everybody else probably thought he was crazy shooting for such a uh, a distant horizon. But that's what he did. And. Um, he was kind of irrepressible, I think. He had a sense of humor. He was self-deprecating. He, um, he was probably just hyperactive, almost looking for new things to do. In his military career, he was always he was a square peg in a round hole. He didn't fit in because his ideas were different. He didn't just conform himself to taking orders. How did he find himself with the statue? You have to do something or be notable of some kind to be in marble. You just got to have a family with the money to, to do it. Okay. <laughs> or that. <laughs> that was basically it. A lot of the stories that have grown up around about it, and there have been an enormous number of stories. In doing research, you had to sort, the, kind of separate the wheat from the chaff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stories involved how that monument got to be there. And and some of them attribute, to, he commissioned it during his European travels when he was in Italy. He commissioned them building a monument to himself. That tells you a lot about a person. But he didn't do that. Oh, <laughs> I so don't that's think, not the right, okay. No, that's not the right thing. And. I don't think he's that vainglorious up there. It was his family after his death. I mean, he was shot down. Basically, the guy should have gone to jail, but he was. Didn't. Was it a robbery or was it more of a personal beef? Personal beef. Well, I with, mean, that's very personal when you shoot someone, but yeah. <laughs> but it's so there was a backstory to that. Oh yeah, there's a long backstory to that. He was, uh, and it has to do with his vision of building a transcontinental railroad. He had a. a one of the his fellow supporters of the railroad to Ripley was a guy named R.J. Thurman, and Thurman was was a kind of a hard driving businessman who probably wasn't exactly a visionary like like Bill Faulkner was, and uh, Thurman, I think he just saw it as we need to do this, to make money, we need to get do something good for Ripley, but it'll be lucrative for us, owning the railroad. I think he saw building the railroad, turning it into a transcontinental railroad would be a a disaster. So when Faulkner had the opportunity to continue the railroad on south from Ripley, 
Thurman bailed out. He sold his interest in it, and at that time, a dispute grew up between the men. And I think it was Thurman was basically having this doomsday view. You know, this is going to be a disaster, and Faulkner laughing it off, and Thurman coming back, you know, what a fool you are, and such as that. So it went on for several years until the railroad scheme that Faulkner was working with collapsed. But Faulkner bought it out, bought out his part of the railroad up there, linked it up to his railroad, and he was the only one that came out of success. Thurman had been predicting disaster the whole time, and it turned out the only one that came out was that was a disaster for was Faulkner. And then Faulkner ran for the legislature in 1889. He ran against four men, two of them had previously been in the legislature in that position, so it would be a tough spot. So running against four people, Faulkner won a majority on the first day, showing how popular he was. And this must have really gotten Thurman's dander up, you know. (laughs) This guy is unstoppable, he must have thought. And finally, November 5th, uh, 1889, it was Tuesday evening. There was a general election being held. It was Faulkner running against a Republican. And back in those days, Republicans didn't have a chance of winning. Nobody even knew who they were at the time. But um, it would be a, a, a victory, an easy-hat victory for Faulkner. He was going to walk in and... He was out of the courthouse square. He walked up to the door of Thurman's office, and he said something. We don't know what. I suspect it was probably some sort of sarcastic remark about uh, making light of of uh, Thurman's doomsday predictions for himself. He said it, and Thurman came to the door with a pistol and shot him in the mouth. And he died somewhat over 24 hours later. But he did make at least home. That's where he passed away. Yeah, he died. On, he was shot on the sidewalk on the square, and some men got him up onto a stretcher and carried him a couple blocks north to his daughter's house, the Willie Faulkner Carter. That's where he died. It wasn't in his own home. Well, we're going to pause right there. All As right. you can tell, we've got ramparts of infinity. It just keeps okay. going on and on and good. we got more with author Jack Elliott coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Everyone knows all about my direction. 
Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. Of course, you can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And tomorrow you can find the entire Supertalk Mississippi gang. We're actually going to be live in New Albany kicking off the 2023 Tallahatchie River Festival, which is happening soon. The Tallahatchie River Festival is presented by BNA Bank, Baptist Memorial Hospital, and Renaissance Bank. For more information, you can go to NewAlbanyMainStreet.com. This project is particularly fun by a grant through Visit Mississippi, and I thought it was beautiful timing, Jack, whenever you came today to set the stage for us to now go to New Albany tomorrow and talk about all the wonderful things going on in that area, which has its great connection to William Faulkner, but also his great-granddaddy, which you, which inspired your book, Colonel Faulkner. So obviously Colonel Faulkner had a wife and children to have a great-grandson who would become William Faulkner. Where, how does that happen? How, okay, I know how that happens. <laughs> I don't need that, the birds and the bees, but how, what son or which daughter married? How do we get William Faulkner from, uh, from Colonel Faulkner? Okay, for, Colonel Faulkner had two wives. His first wife is married to Holland Pierce, and he married her, I believe, 1847, I think. Anyway, she died when, after about two years, I'm not sure why, but she died very young, left him with one son, John Wesley Thompson Faulkner. Okay, he would be the line going down to William Faulkner. Uh, John Wesley Thompson Faulkner's oldest son was, uh, Murray Cuthbert Faulkner, and then his sons, his, Murray Cuthbert Faulkner's oldest son was William Cuthbert Faulkner, the writer, and there were three other brothers in that set. Gotcha. Pretty cool. Okay, Chris and Tupelo text in a Jack on our C Spire text line and said his home community of Ingemar Ingemar, uh, was named for a character in Colonel Faulkner's book, White Rose of Memphis. Tell us about that. Right. Well, it's a kind of a complex story. Ingemar was a, a character who was a barbarian from ancient Europe who was featured in operas and other f- stories that came out of Europe in the 1800s. He was very prominent in the, in the uh, media at the time. Well, White Rose of Memphis, which was uh, published I believe, in 1881, tells a story of a trip on a, down the Mississippi River on a steamboat called the White Rose. In the course of the journey they're going to the people are all wearing costumes of different fictional characters or historic characters. Somebody might be Napoleon, another one might be Julius Caesar. Well, one guy one of the principal characters was Ingemar, and he is the teller of all of this story that the White Rose of Memphis is by and large is a story that Ingemar told on a steamboat, a story of little kids who had been orphaned and having to fight against odds, against adversity and everything. And then at the end, Ingemar reveals who he is and other characters are revealed and one of the bad guys is revealed and then they wind up falling into the Mississippi River and fighting and and uh, the good guy comes to the surface alive, and the other guy drowned. <laughs> that is quite a story. That mm-hmm. is quite a story. That's pretty cool. And then, obviously, you know, people 
remembered his writing more than I guess uh, we recognize if they're going to be naming communities after that. We have another text, though, that asks, because we kind of, pun intended, left it hanging about when he, when Colonel Faulkner got shot by Thurman. Someone wants to know, did, did they hang Thurman? Did Thurman ever get, I guess, um, did Colonel Faulkner ever get the justice he deserved, even though he passed away, for his death? He did not. Uh, Thurman was actually acquitted on a charge of self-defense. Which I can all, walk into a man's office, shoot him in the face, and it's self-defense. It was actually kind of easy back then. All you <laughs> had to do is say, well, I thought he was going to shoot me or something. I thought he had a gun. He was going for his gun, and turned out Colonel Walter did not have a gun. He did not have a motive to kill Thurman at all. It was Thurman who was mad. Faulkner was laughing. Which Who's is gonna, to his demise. Yeah. But anyway, they... I'm sure that the way the uh, defense, fought, uh, Thurman's defense played it out was, poor guy, you know, there had been a lot of enmity between the two. It had been going on for ages, and he comes up here, and and he stuck his hand in his pocket or something, and we thought he had a gun. We thought he had a gun, you know. and and he did, But he didn't, of course. He probably didn't even stick his hand in his pocket. All they had to do was convince the jury that, there was reasonable reason to believe that uh, Thurman was fearful of his life, and that's why he shot Faulkner and he got away with it. That happened time and time again in the 19th century. If he would not have been shot, I know we can't predict the future, but what do you think his future would have been like, at least with the railroad? I think he would have he would have gotten the railroad on to the Gulf, which eventually it was done. By, let's see, 1905, the railroad was pretty much built as far as Mobile. And uh, that would have, he could have easily lived to be that long. He would have been 80 years old in 1905. And he could have easily lived long enough to have seen it. Which was his vision. Mm, right, it was. So Thurman, whatever happened to him, usually fate finds a way to get you in the end, mm-hmm. even if the if the justice system doesn't. So did he have some great ending to his life, or is he just an old mad hag for the rest of his life? Well, nothing really happened. Uh, a lot of these stories that I talk about that I had to sift the wheat from the chaff, there were all kinds of stories about fault, uh, about uh, excuse me, Thurman. Right after the uh, he was acquitted, he and his family pulled up stakes and left. Uh, that's not true. He lived there for most of the rest of his life. A couple of his daughters married somebody in people in North Carolina, and Thurman and his wife started moving, spending the summers in North Carolina because it's cooler. And um, but Thurman died, I believe, in nineteen oh six or seven, and. He died in North Carolina, but it's just within a few months after he had permanently moved there. So he did eventually move away, but it's very gradual, and uh, nothing really dramatic happened to him. You wonder, though, if he ever sat back on his back porch drinking a toddy and just sort mm-hmm. of whispered to Colonel Faulkner in the skies, okay, you were right, the railroad made it. You know, I mean, just sort of think that maybe he recognized that the bigger the bigger vision made sense now, mm-hmm. maybe not in the beginning, or probably just cold-hearted and maybe never thought of that way. 
Colonel Faulkner, I think he would have said, well, that's what I planned on in the first place. That's what I was telling everybody. You all wouldn't believe that we could build this railroad. Where would Ripley be if there wouldn't have been a Colonel Faulkner pushing for the railroad? I'm would sure it have been bypassed? Well, it, um, I'm sure it would have been a lot smaller because, uh, you know, having a railroad certainly improved your chances for growth and everything. And it certainly didn't become a major metropolis, but I'd say that's for the good. I've, I'm not that big on big cities, but uh, it certainly gave people a way to get to the outside world without having to go through miles and miles of mud, which was the way it was before, you know, you had paved roads or car or uh, trains. Roads were very buddy back in those days. Usually didn't have gravel. So railroad made sense. Oh yeah, it was yeah. good for. It was definitely good for for everybody. We take railroads for granted today because um, we have we can get around so easily and everything. We take transportation for granted. Back in those days, most county roads didn't have have a bit of gravel on them. Today, gravel roads considered to be kind of a backwater road back then our gravel road would have been pretty much uptown and to have a railroad you can come through and ride out on two ribbons of steel you know that was something opened up the whole world to right to everybody or yeah, at least you know more of the world to to those that I were took them to the ramparts of infinity is there I, well, I want to say it. I want to say it like a sequel because I mean he died. I mean it's a biography, but I feel like it's his story. His story. Do you feel like you told his story complete from from beginning to end? As much as I could find out, I got it in there. Have you found out something since you hit submit that you wish you would have put in here? Well, uh, just in a way, yeah. You look at the pictures in there, you'll see that there have been. Or, I note there's only two photographs of Colonel Faulkner. One's one you're looking at. There's another one further on. Right after this book came out, I got an email from his great great grandson, and he sent a photograph. He said, "By the way, you know, I hope I don't want to disturb you, but here's another photograph." You're and like, man, the ink's drying, buddy. You yeah. could have sent that a little bit uh, exactly. sooner. I wish I could have gotten that in there. Well, we got a little bit more to get in with author Jack Elliott coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget you can watch us. We are on computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. We're wrapping up our conversation with author Jack Elliott. He wrote To the Ramparts of Infinity, Colonel W.C. Faulkner and the Ripley Railroad. And it is a biography of the life of Colonel W.C. Faulkner, which, if you're just tuning in, is the great granddad of William Faulkner, which many of us know. And I'm convinced, uh, Jack, that this needs to be a, uh, a movie. I, I don't know people, but I feel like, <laughs> I feel like everyone 
listening from beginning to end today on our ceasefire text line is so intrigued by this life that they may have known if they knew enough about Mississippi history, but they definitely don't know as much as you do or sort of the interesting life that he led. And I feel like there's so many cool characters in here. So we're putting it out there into the atmosphere that this should be a um, this should be a movie. And we have to give Rhino credit because he says that um, Matthew McConaughey should play Colonel Faulkner. I think that would be a great um, uh, one to play him. What other character would have to be? Okay, who would play? So then it's who would play Thurman, right? So that would be the other one of the main characters. So I guess who I'm asking, who else would be a main character if we made this into a movie? Well, certainly Thurman would be a main one. And uh, you also have, you know, cameo appearances would be quite a few of the presidents. Uh, Colonel Faulkner saw a lot of the presidents either when they were in office or or yet to come in office. Begin with Zachary Taylor down in Mexico that he saw, and later on he um, he knew Jefferson Davis, president of the Confederacy, uh, and several of the postbellum presidents: Grover Creek, Grover Cleveland, um, and I can't remember others. Uh, they're in the book. Read it. They are in the book. But anyway, so there's a lot of walk-in yeah. room for walk-in cameos for president and such as that. Um, I know you've never thought about that, but we're going to put that in your brain to stew on. So when the okay. studios start calling, they'll definitely uh, – you'll have somewhere to, to sort of start for him. I do think it's a fascinating story. Why do you find it – why did, Why was it so important to you to then – create his story to put it out into the world because you you started with this jack that this was just as an itch you wanted to scratch to get to know colonel faulkner but eventually you recognize other people should appreciate him the way that that you do so what do you hope people take away from the book well i hope they'll um gain an interest in him but also in the land i've got a whole section in here called a field guide to colonel faulkner's ripley which focuses on the town of Ripley. Uh, There's probably 80 to 100 places listed in the historic sites associated with Colonel Faulkner. And how you can see how the land that we take for granted moves us deeply at a deeper level. We're not always aware of it. To become aware of it is to you're kind of tapping into a fountain of creativity, I think the images you're playing with that are down there that move us. Down there in Ripley, are some of those places still, of like, can people go and see? Are they still standing or still available, or have they been um, built up in over the years? Most are gone, but there are still several standing. Uh, the home that, that uh, R.J. Thurman lived in there in Ripley is still standing. The home of Tom Spite, who is Faulkner's uh, was a prosecuting attorney at when they prosecuted Thurman. He was also a friend of Faulkner's. That house is still standing in the um, Dr. John Murray house is still standing. Dr. Murray's daughter married Faulkner's son, John Wesley Thompson Faulkner, and they're the, the great grandparents of William Faulkner. You mentioned I mean, the grandparents. You had a great grandchild send you a photo of Colonel Faulkner. Uh, sadly, after the book was was completed, have they read it? Are they did, um, did they have any? Did you get help from the family to sort of write some of it or get some of the information? Yeah, I took uh, I took from help 
help from anybody I could get it from. And most people were very willing to help and such as that. I'm usually become a nuisance, you know, badgering people's questions and such. Who's the oldest living connection to Colonel Faulkner-ish? I don't know. I'm getting there. <laughs> I, meant, I meant family. So you said a oh. great grand, a great grandson sent you. I didn't know if maybe he had like who would be the the last in line that would be from from Colonel Faulkner first in line. I don't know how to say it. Okay, well, um, let's see. Recently died well, about ten years ago. Actually, was uh, Dean Faulkner Wells, who was the uh, first cousin of William Faulkner, but she was the last of. Uh, no, she was a niece of William Faulkner. And that generation is almost gone, except there are uh, several descendants from John Faulkner. It's a Mississippi Jr. family tree. We'll have yeah. to figure that out. Real quick, exactly. where can we get the book, Jack? You can get it online. You can get it from University Press, which is the publisher, but also Barnes & Noble, Amazon. You can get it. Go right down here, right down the street here at uh, Lemuria Books. They've had it. Oxford, they had it Square Books. And Amazon as Amazon, well. Amazon, yeah. Well, I appreciate your time, Amazon. Jack, coming down and visiting us. But everybody stick with us. you got more coming up next. you got the boys with sports talk from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.